We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. And welcome to AFA at the Core with Walker Wildman. However, it's without Walker Wildman today. Rick Green filling in for my buddy Walker this afternoon. I'm America's Constitution Coach. You can find out more about me at patriotacademy.com. But uh, thrilled to be able to fill in for Walker. Uh, Love AFA and all of the folks that get reached by this incredible ministry. I'm telling you, if you're listening today, you are part of the remnant. You're part of the people that God is raising up, I believe, to save our republic, save freedom. And I just thank you. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for plugging in. Hope that I can uh, give you some information over the next hour, some some equipping, if you will, um, and hopefully some hope, you know, not not just this uh, doom and gloom. The world's falling apart. Most places you go right now, that's what you hear. Uh, Well, that's not what we do at AFA, because we believe that all the answers are in God's word. He's given us everything we need uh, to be able to solve the major problems of the day. And to be able to live with joy regardless of the political atmosphere and what happens. And and that means we can engage in the process. We can do our duty as citizens, do our duty as biblical citizens. And regardless of the outcome in an election or a policy or whatever it might be, that we can still have joy in knowing whose we are. And regardless of where we are or who's in the White House or who's in the State House, uh, that we are following God's word and and, uh, enjoying Uh, the peace that comes from that. And so that's the approach we're going to take today. We try to kind of think of ourselves as Joshua and Caleb's and not the other 10 spies that came back from the promised land saying, oh, it's too hard. The giants are too big. The cities are too fortified. There's no way we can win. What happened? They depressed the people and an entire generation had to die in the wilderness. We don't want to be those guys, right? Don't be the ones that are, you know, you're around people like that, I'm sure. You have people in your life that are like that. It's like when they come in the room, they can light up the room by leaving. I mean, it's just like they've got this cloud that follows them around. As uh, one of my mentors, Dr. Charles Jarvis, used to say, it's like they drink milk out of a churn, been weaned on a pickle. Okay, let's not be like that. That's the 10 spies that depressed a generation. Instead, let's be like Joshua and Caleb. You know, they saw the same thing. I mean, they went into the promised land, all 12 of them. They saw the fortified cities. They saw the giants in the land. They also saw the milk and honey and the grapes and the, all the benefits, right? Joshua and Caleb, seeing the same thing as the 10 spies that were depressed, they came back and said, oh, yeah, giants, huge. Fortified cities, never seen anything like it. But God has given us the land. They had the courage to say, let's go take the land. They were ready then and ended up being the only ones of that generation uh, to be able to, a generation later, go in and take that land. And so many stories we could talk about there, man. I mean, I I would say to anybody listening right now, the sound of my voice, that's over the age of 65, get a Caleb attitude. You are not done. God is not done with you. Our nation needs you. You're not done fighting for freedom and standing up for biblical principles until you're six feet under. So start thinking like Caleb did. I mean, think about it. He was probably 80. We don't know for sure, but, you know, 80 years old. 
And he says, give me the toughest part. I'll take the, I'll take the hardest. I'll take the most difficult battle. I'm ready. Send me in. That's the kind of attitude that we need to have. And, uh, and I, I would say for all ages, but just, I don't know, just something, um, something on my heart for those, uh, those gray hairs out there of which I am becoming one quickly. Uh, but it, you know, you, you just too often in our culture, in our society, we, we literally put people out the pasture and say, you're done at 65 years old, right? Right. When you have the most wisdom, right? Right. After you have a lifetime of experience, you, you've messed up plenty. <laughs> so you've learned from all those mistakes. God has gotten you through so many different things in your life. And, and you have so much to offer to the younger generations, to, 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 to your, uh, you know, people that same age, your colleagues and, and your contemporaries. And yet our culture says, yeah, you're done. You're, you're done. Go home. I just think that's ridiculous. There's no retirement in the Bible. Uh, I don't know. I, I didn't have this on my list to talk about today. It just, I don't know. The Lord just put it on my heart as I was starting to talk about, uh, you know, pushing back in the culture and standing firm regardless of what we see and having joy. And I just, I just think that the, um, you know, that the, there's a whole generation out there that has been conditioned in our culture to think that you sit down at 65 years old and check out. And, and that is the opposite of what you should be doing. And so if that's you and you're in the sound of my voice right now, I love you and God bless you and take all the things that you learned in your life, the mistakes, the victories, the defeats, all of the times that you saw God move in your life and your family, take those things and pass them on to the next generation. Teach the people around you, become a torchbearer, become one of the ones that is holding the torch high, that's taking godly principles and biblical values and standing up for them in your community. I promise you, people will rally. I'm telling you, when you right now, people are hungry. They are hungry for truth. They are hungry for principles that don't change. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, the kids of today, the young people of today, and, and when I say that, I mean teenagers, those in their 20s, they are tired of the shifting sand. They, the, it, everything just, there, there's no foundation. There's no moral absolutes. So anything goes, everything's, I mean, it's, it's just like mass chaos all around them. And so they're looking for something that doesn't change. And you have it. You have the answers. As the people of God, we have his truth and we know that he does not change. I mean, I, I love when in a worship, when in a, in a worship service, there's any phrase or, or, uh, or part of a hymn or anything else that that reminds us that God doesn't change. I love that. I just, I grab onto that. I don't know about you, but as I'm, as everything around us is just so chaotic right now, I grab onto that truth and know that he's the alpha and the omega and that he doesn't change and that his principles don't change, that his truths don't change. And that, that when we apply his principles, they work today, just like they did yesterday. And just like they will tomorrow, those truths and those principles of God do not change. And so for these young people out there, that are just wondering, is there anything to believe in? If there's any, uh, anybody else out there that's a you know child of the 80s, you might remember the old Poison song, Give Me Something to Believe In. I know that's probably the first time that song has been mentioned on AF, AFR radio ever. But for anybody else out there that remembers, you know, there was such a desire for something to believe in, something to hold on to. And I think that is so prevalent in our culture today. And, and for those of you, again, coming back to my 
my my rabbit trail, rabbit hole. I have a debate with my kids about whether it's rabbit trail or rabbit hole. I, I think they both exist. I just don't know which one's the right one to use. Anyway, uh, kind of went off on a rabbit trail there. But but you know, for for those of you that think you're done or think that you've made your contribution in life and all that, you are not done yet. I'm telling you some of the best wisdom and, and advice to this day that I get is from my wife's 87-year-old grandmother. I mean, we're super blessed where we live in Texas. We're kind of on a family compound. We've got five generations on the same property. So from my granddaughter all the way up to my wife's grandmother, all on the, on the same uh, ranch. And, you know, I can't tell you how blessed we are to be able to sit down with her and talk about things that we're dealing with and things going on in life and with our, our ministry and our nonprofit and, and just whatever, whatever's going on in the world. And to get to listen to her 87 years of wisdom. Um, I'm just telling you, if you're in the, those categories, uh, do not ever think that God is done with you yet. He's got his time. He's got his appointed time for you to uh, be able to be with him. Uh, but right now, we need you. We need you in America. We need that 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 uh, wisdom <laughs> that seems to be lost. I mean, you look around you, and, and it's, uh, common sense has died in America. I mean, we don't listen to science. You know, it's it's like I mean, we Christians are the ones that have always believed in science because we know that God created everything, and so we celebrate the discoveries and we celebrate. Uh, all of those things. And now the science deniers are the ones that only believe in government, only believe in, uh, you know, the, the experts are going to save us and and they are ignoring the data and the science and forcing masks on our children, which is child abuse and all of the other things that they're they're doing in the culture right now because they don't have the common sense that comes from the wisdom that comes from the biblical knowledge that you have. And so I'm asking you to become a champion, become a voice in the culture. Uh, you know, I, again, that was not what I had planned to talk about today, but I, what I was wanting to start with today, and I'll jump into that and then uh, hopefully get a little little bit, bit of that in uh, before we take our first break. But I really wanted to talk today about whether or not you would choose, if given the choice, somebody comes up to you and says, all right, you have a choice. You can live in slavery or freedom. Now, you're probably thinking, Rick, that's the dumbest question you could possibly ask. Everybody is going to choose freedom. Well, I disagree. I think most people actually end up choosing slavery. Now, not when you put it that simple, would you choose slavery or freedom? But when you explain the situation and what life will be like under either scenario, I would argue today that most people end up choosing the slavery scenario. It doesn't make sense, you know, when I put it so simply, but think about it this way. When you when you end up in slavery, whether by choice or by force, when you end up in slavery, someone else makes all the tough decisions. You know, you don't have to think about it, right? I mean, somebody else is deciding what you will do every day. Somebody else is deciding pretty much what you will eat. Somebody else is deciding where you will live, what your health care decisions will be, all of those things. In slavery, you don't have to think about it. You don't have the responsibility. You don't have to live with the consequences of your decision because you don't get to make any decisions. And somebody else is guaranteeing you a roof over your head, a bed to sleep on, food to eat, all of those things. In the, and, and, and when I say slavery, it's not necessarily 
chains of slavery. It can also be literally just living your life under the control of others who make all the decisions for you. So it can be the horrors of slavery like you typically picture in your mind when, when I say that word. It can also be coat and tie every day, but living under the control of someone else. Now, on the other hand, freedom comes with a lot of responsibility. Freedom means you do live with the consequences of your decisions. Freedom means that you got to work. <laughs> you got to you got to put in the elbow grease. You got to you you got to provide and make sure that that roof is over the head of of, of, of the members of your family. You got to provide the bed and 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 the food in the in the cupboard. I mean, all of those things are on your shoulders when you choose freedom. Now, as you think about the responsibility that comes with freedom and the lack of responsibility and kind of easier path that comes with slavery, you might understand why the children of Israel would choose slavery. I mean, think about it. They had not been freed for very long before they were already complaining to Moses and God and saying, you know, when we were back in Egypt, we had food. But when we were back in Egypt, we, we knew what to do every day. Somebody would tell us what to do every day. We didn't have to think about it. When we were back in Egypt, man, things were so much easier. So what were they doing? They were literally choosing slavery. They would rather have slavery than freedom because with freedom comes an awful lot of responsibility and hard work and risk. And all of those things, I would argue when we come back from the break, I'll go a little further into this. I would argue we're doing the same thing today. We're choosing the bondage of government micromanaging our life, making the decisions for us, providing for us. I never thought I would see the day in America where government is providing a weekly salary to people to, to sit at home and do nothing. It's unbelievable. It's slavery though it is not freedom so we're going to talk about the benefits of freedom the cost of slavery and how to make the right biblical decisions in our culture today i'm rick green america's constitution coach you can find out more about me at patriotacademy.com filling in for walker wildman for afa at the core we'll be back in a moment Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. During the Tokyo Olympics, 21-year-old Sidney McLaughlin from New Jersey won the gold medal in 400-meter hurdles with a world record-setting time of 51.46 seconds. And winning gold, she bested her previous 51.9 seconds world record time. After winning, she posted on Instagram, I no longer run for self-recognition, but to reflect his perfect will, that is already set in stone. I don't deserve anything, but by grace through faith, Jesus has given me everything. Records come and go. The glory of God is eternal. Thank you, Father. The gold was awarded to Sydney. She gave the glory to God. 
Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. With dozens of home improvement TV shows available today, the concept of home renovation is all the rage. Whether it's flipping one room or an entire house, home makeovers are fascinating. The beautiful parallel is that the Word of God calls our bodies temples or houses of the living God. He is always willing to repair and renovate the tattered places within us. Your daughter may feel that her mistakes, fears, and shortcomings make her beyond repair. But as her parent, it's critical to teach her to give those broken areas of her heart to Christ and live in Him through prayer and devotion. He will make your girl a new creature, as the Apostle writes in 2 Corinthians, and renovate her mind and spirit. We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. Learn more about empowering girls at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core with Walker Wildman. Once again, Walker out today. I'm Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach, filling in for Walker. And I forgot to mention earlier, I said you can find out more about me at PatriotAcademy.com. And I forgot to say what Patriot Academy is. Um, it's actually how I got to know Walker the first time. Of course, I've known uh, Tim for many, many years, Tim Wildman, but um, didn't know Walker. And Walker came to Patriot Academy. It's our um, program that we do at state capitals around the country where young people come in and they get to live the life of a legislator. So, I mean, you're literally on the House floor, the real House floor, debating on the real microphones. You're in committee late into the night. You're learning all kinds of uh, leadership skills, communication skills. And it's 16 to 25 year olds that uh, that we typically do. We have some other programs for military veterans and and uh, other folks as well. But mostly, um, in fact, for the first you know 15 years of our ministry, that was our focus was 16 to 25 year olds. And Walker actually came and went through the program. Goodness, I don't know. It's been maybe six, seven, eight years ago. And so we got to know each other then. And um, even though even though I only had him for a week. Um, I still take credit for it. It's like any of my graduates from Patriot Academy, if they come spend a week at Patriot Academy, they're mine from then on. If they do great things, then I claim them. If they do horrible things, then I pretend I never knew them. Not really. But, um, you know, so I get to claim, hey, this radio program and Walker's great leadership at AFA, I get to take all the credit for it. I'm sure Tim Wildman, his dad would disagree with that, but I'm going to I'm going to stake my claim anyway. Uh, love Walker and appreciate him giving me the opportunity to fill in for him today. 
Again, Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach and PatriotAcademy.com is the place to learn more. So let's dive back in. We were talking before the break about slavery versus freedom. And, and typically, if I just said to you, would you choose slavery or freedom? You would say freedom. But why is it that most people choose slavery? And when I say most people, the first example I gave you before the break was the children of Israel. Clearly, as soon as they got into freedom, were already complaining and wanting to be back in slavery because it was easier. Somebody else made all the decisions. I don't have to think about it. I mean, that's our human nature. We tend to want the easy route. And freedom is not an easy route. It takes work. It takes eternal vigilance. You lose it if you don't use it. And so that's why I am shocked, but yet also understanding the nature of man, the laws of nature and nature's God and the way we are, why so many people in America today are continuing to make that choice for slavery instead of freedom. And here's what I mean by that. We have started worshiping the twin golden calves of government and science. Now, as I said before the break, Christians typically were the ones that believed in science. I mean, we're the ones that have championed God's creation. Most of the great scientific discoveries have been Christians because they're looking at the world through God's eyes, through God's word. And that's why you have Christians that discovered the, 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 the lanes in the sea and the, and the wind patterns and all of these different things because they were studying scripture and then trying to uh, discover that in nature. And so science is, it's never been science versus Christianity. That's what the left has tried to create as this false narrative that, that absolutely is not true. And so we tend to believe in God's design. It's why even now, as you look at kind of this, this weird divide in the country over how to deal with COVID and, and uh, how to deal with a virus and that sort of thing, um, you've had more and more churches that have said, you know what? We're going to meet. We're going to we're going to we're not going to let this virus prevent us from coming together, partly because God commanded us not to forsake the fellowship. Partly because uh, government does not have the final say on what the church does, partly because Romans 13 does not mean submit to the government no matter what it does. It, you submit to the government when it's doing good. You, you, you would definitely not submit to the government, hopefully anyway, if you lived in 1930s Germany and you were living in, Ger in, 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 in a situation where you know Hitler is murdering Jews and, and all of the other evil atrocities and, and things that were happening, hopefully you would not be like that pastor that got up in 1933 and said, based on Romans 13, we have to submit uh, whatever the government wants us to do. Hopefully you would oppose that. You'd be like a Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, who said the opposite and said, no, of course we should not submit. In fact, Dietrich Bonhoeffer participated in the Valkyrie plot to try to take out Hitler because of the evils um, that were happening. And, and so Romans 13 is often, um, what's the right way to say this? It, it, it is distorted. Um, and we have, I'm trying to say this as nice as I can, simple-minded pastors uh, that do not put that in context. So anyway, but churches started opening in America because of all of these different things that I was listing. And one of the major reasons that churches said we're going to going to meet and pastors said we're not going to stay home is because they were looking at get this the science they were actually saying wait a minute the way god created our body we have learned that the right way to deal with a virus like this is herd immunity and that we're not going to stop it it's going to be out there people are going to get it and they're probably we probably a year ago we were saying now we can absolutely say with certainty going to have better immunity from the virus because they've had the virus, 
than if they get a vaccine because a vaccine is not as effective as the natural immunity that comes from having the virus. At least that's what the Israeli studies and all the other things are starting to confirm. We knew that based on the history of viruses and science and things that we had dealt with over the last hundred years. And, and it was amazing to me that that was ignored by our government, by, um, you know, frankly, the world over the last year. But now it's starting, that's starting to come out because it's being confirmed over and, and over and over again. But, but churches and pastors were saying a year ago, we understand how God created the body. We believe in science. We believe in God's word. And therefore, we're going to be meeting. I, I think of Rob McCoy in Thousand Oaks, California, who night after night, he did this. Uh, I can't remember if he called it a fireside chat or what he called it. But night after night, he would have all these experts on. And, and I mean, these were scientific experts, some of the best epidemiologists in the world. Some of the, I mean, just incredibly smart people that have dealt with this for you know some of them 50 years um, and, and, and just incredible information. And, and what he was doing was he was saying, look, biblically, we're supposed to be meeting because we're not supposed to forsake the fellowship. And also scientifically, it confirms what we know about the human body and how these things work. And so I, I just, I, I think that required a particular perspective to say, we're going to live in freedom and we're going to make the choices and we're going to live with the consequences of those choices, but we're going to have to put in some hard work. I mean, Rob McCoy was doing that every night, doing that homework and bringing in those experts and other pastors did this, did the same thing. And, and kind of, I had to do the same thing. I mean, I had to study all these things that I'm not a scientist. That stuff uh, doesn't come easy to me, uh, but I forced myself to read a lot of these studies and things that were happening because it was affecting my freedom. And so freedom took extra work for me to choose freedom in the COVID crackdowns required a lot more work than just choosing slavery and saying, well, whatever the state health department says, whatever the CDC says, whatever the experts, quote unquote, or the uh, government officials say, I'm going to follow. See, that's easier. That's slavery. Someone else is making the decisions and we don't even question it. And friends, I'm going to tell you, I have been disappointed with my fellow Americans. I mean, the, my fellow Texans where I live. I know we have listeners all over the country. I mean, you've you've watched it happen as well. And, and, and frankly, maybe you've been guilty of it. Maybe you've it's been easier out of fear to give in and just say whatever the government says to do, that I will mask my child. I will let my seven-year-old be masked all day long, eight hours a day, day in and day out. I consider that child abuse. In a situation where, where the science clearly says these kids are not at risk from COVID. Do you, do you know that we we had, I mean, it, it, you have more, more kids die from the flu typically, if you look over the last 15 years, way more than what have died from COVID. It, it, and, and, to, and to do what we're doing to these kids in the schools with the masks and the policies and all the insanity that we're doing, it's slavery. And it's because we're not willing to do the hard work that freedom takes to study the science, study the data, and then make the tough decisions ourselves. And we just hand it over to, to other people. And so that's that, that's the second example. First example, slavery versus freedom, children of Israel. Second example, medical freedom versus medical slavery today. Um, and, and, and I'll tell you, again, I'm not a scientist, but I'm watching the data. I'm studying these things. And, and there's some very simple things about COVID that are not being uh, discussed enough and, and, and that most people, even 18 months into this thing, most people don't know. Number one, everybody's going to get it. 
or they're going to at least be exposed to it. Uh, you, you, a lot of people are going to have a strong enough immune system that they're just going to repel, repel it from the beginning. And if you're taking vitamin D and you're doing all the things that they now know uh, help with this, then you've got a better chance of that. And, it, and, and, it's, and it's insanity for us to think that we can stop it. The, the, the whole flatten the curve was never end the curve. It was never, we're going to prevent it from happening. We're going to, we're going to stop anybody from getting that. That's insanity. And you actually have politicians out there right now that that's their goal. Zero COVID cases. That is impossible. New Zealand shutting down over one case. I mean, that is complete insanity. And it also does not factor in the op the other side of the equation, the cost benefit analysis, this myopic approach that we've taken where we do not even think about or measure what it costs to, to shut down the community, to require uh, uh, you know, vaccine passports and, and force people to, to get the vaccine or they can't go eat in a restaurant. I, I mean, it's unbelievable. We don't think about the cost and, and, and the cost of the shutdowns, friends. Um, you know, I, 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 I hate saying this, but we lost more teenagers and under 18 to suicide than to COVID. We lost more businesses and, and people literally either ended their life or went into Great Depression and, 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 and opioid addictions and return of addictions and, and domestic abuse and all of the evil that happened as a result of the lockdowns and stay-at-home orders than we ever lost from COVID. And nobody wants to talk about that. They also don't want to talk about the fact that the average age of those dying from COVID is almost the same as the average normal lifespan in each nation. When you look at the numbers in England, it's 82. Uh, and, and, and that's the average of, of, of the death from COVID. So average lifespan of death from COVID about the same folks, that should tell us something right there. And again, the things people don't want to talk about, and you got to live in, if you want to live in freedom, you got to make tough decisions. And you got to be eyes wide open. And you got to do the study. Most of the people that have died from COVID, the vast majority of them, all the comorbidities, all the other problems, the age, all of that, we're probably going to die within a year, maybe even sooner with or without COVID. And, and I'm talking about the ones that actually died from COVID. Now, they're telling you that a whole lot more people died from COVID than actually did, because what they're doing is saying died with COVID. And we've seen all the you know anecdotal evidence, but there's tons and tons of them that COVID had nothing to do with the death. Anyway, okay, so number one, everybody's going to get it or be exposed to it. Government nonsense is not going to stop it, so we should have done a cost-benefit analysis. Number two, you got a 99.9% .9 chance of being just fine. So now we've got all these treatments. we got all these, I mean, mo again, most people, young people especially, going to fight this thing off. It's going to be some sniffles. It's going to be whatever. But my wife and I had it, and it 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 knocked us on our rear, I'm telling you. It, for us, we're pretty healthy. I mean, you know, not, not in great shape, but pretty healthy. But man, we were we were down for nearly you know week and a half. I mean, tired. You know, not it wasn't horrible, but I mean, it was it took us out of the fight for a little while. Um, but you know what? We had great treatments with ivermectin, and I mean, look, there's a lot of them out there: ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, budesonide. I mean, those are the things that people should be talking more and more uh, about. And so, anyway, so so for us, it was it was wasn't horrible. I mean, we have friends that that had a much worse experience. But the great news is now we've got the natural immunity. We are far better off. Than having the vaccine at this point with the natural immunity. So 99% chance, 99.9% chance you're going to be just fine. Uh, the treatments are, are available. It's a criminal cover-up that we haven't talked about these treatments. The, the fact that the government has not championed 
Regeneron and hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin's now I think 25 I know it was 24 a couple of weeks ago but I think 25 or 26 studies showing the incredible effectiveness of it. I mean that's good news. Why would why is that not on the evening news? Why are we not celebrating that and saying hey there's all kinds of treatments out there now. It's making this situation better and yet the president never talks about it. Most governors never talk about it. The only governor I know that is really talking about those things and championing them is, of course, Ron DeSantis. I mean, Ron DeSantis in Florida, I saw a tweet the other day. I totally agree with this. He is so accurate and, and knocking it out of the park so often and, and just hitting the nail on the head so 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 often. I, I would let the guy shoot an apple off my head right now. That's how accurate he is. I'm telling you, what he has done in Florida has been great, not just for Florida. It's freed a big chunk of the rest of the nation. I, I can tell you, my governor in in Texas, I call him King Abbott because he's acted like an absolute dictator for 18 months, uh, has been as bad as most, you know, many of the Democrats out there. And he's supposed to be some champion Republican, champion of freedom. Absolutely not true. Uh, at any rate, he had to open Texas because Ron DeSantis had opened Florida for six months and things were going so well. And, and we here in Texas were just, you know, losing our minds and saying, we're just all going to move to Florida. And so finally he was forced to open Texas. Well, it wasn't just Abbott that was, his hand was forced by DeSantis. I mean, it's it, the dominoes are starting to fall um, in, in many other places in the country. In fact, I saw uh, Georgia just uh, recently, um, Kemp has, has now said, you know, no, no local mass mandates or vaccine passports. So thank you, Ron DeSantis, uh, for your leadership. So if you don't want to live in the slavery of, of med, not have medical freedom and, and live in medical slavery where somebody else makes all your decisions. You got to do your homework and you got to get the information and the things to know that you need to know about this current situation. Everybody's going to get it or be exposed to it before it's over. It's probably going to come back year after year. We're probably, it's going to be a lot like the flu. 99.9% chance you're going to be just fine. There's lots of treatments that are real and effective. It's a criminal cover up that those things have not been uh, championed by government. And the age of those dying from COVID is almost the exact same as the normal lifespan, which means it's technically a non-event. So before we go to break, I'm going to read you C.S. Lewis's words written 72 years ago on the atomic bomb, but I'm going to replace it with the coronavirus. Here's some good godly advice. In one way, I think we take think too much about the coronavirus. How are we to live in a coronavirus age, he says. I'm tempted to reply why, as you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year, and as you would have lived in a Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat at any night. Or indeed, as you already live in an age of cancer, syphilis, paralysis, air raids, railway accidents, age of motor accidents. In other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir, madam, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before COVID-19 was invented. And quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. We had indeed one very great advantage, anesthetics, but we still have that. It's perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more in chance his of image, painful- Delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies were very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. As followers of Christ, we are on mission. We're to share that gospel with people we come in contact with 
Pastor Bert Harper. Bert Harper. That's what God wants to do. He wants to use you for His glory as a faithful servant. So when you come before Him, He can say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Exploring Missions, Saturday afternoons at 2.30 Central and Sundays at 1 on American Family Radio. You know, if you feel like you're stuck with a health care plan that isn't affordable or you simply don't like it, right now is a great time to switch to MediShare. The typical family saves $500 a month when they join MediShare. And what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to the typical health insurance plan. That's double. So you get a massive network of providers to choose from. You get telehealth services. And MediShare is the most trusted name in healthcare sharing. It's been around for more than 25 years, shared more than $4 billion in healthcare bills. Here's why now really is the time to make the switch, too. You can start saving each month, which is huge, but right now they'll waive your joining fee. So you'll save another $170 right off the bat. But again, it's a limited time offer. You got to call now. And it only takes two minutes to find out how much you'd save by switching. Here's the number, 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE, 833-44-BIBLE. What is prayer anyway? Dale Moody was once addressing a crowded meeting with children, and he, he wanted to get their attention, so he said, what is prayer? He, he really expected not many answers, but all kinds of hands were raised, and one little boy answered very precisely. He said, prayer is an offering up of our desires unto God, for things agreeable to His will, in the name of Christ, with confessions of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of His mercies. Moody was pleasantly surprised. But I wonder how many Christians could give an answer that precise. Most of us would say, prayer is asking God for things. We pray like cheerleaders. Give me, Lord, give me, Lord, give me, give me, give me. But prayer is really a way to get to know God intimately. God is more concerned about giving you His heart than He is about giving you an answer. Take time today. Seek the Lord for His heart. This is Steve Canfield, Revivalist for Life Action Ministries for OneCry.com. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core with Walker Wildman. I'm Rick Green filling in for Walker today. America's Constitution Coach. You can find out more about me at PatriotAcademy.com. That's PatriotAcademy.com. And before the break, of course, I showed my inexperience in, in, in closing out in time as the break came. So uh, forgive me for that, but uh, I'll jump right back in, kind of in the middle of C.S. Lewis's quote. And, and, and remember, the whole point of this is putting it in context. I think my favorite part of his quote is, don't exaggerate the novelty of our situation. So let me just read that part again. He said, believe me, dear sir, ma'am, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before COVID-19 was invented. And quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. It is perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful and premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances and in which death itself was not a chance at all, but a certainty. This is the first point to be made, C.S. Lewis said, and the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we are all going to be destroyed by COVID-19, then let COVID-19, when it comes, Find us doing sensible and human things, praying, working, teaching, reading, 
listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about COVID-19. They may break our bodies, but they need not dominate our minds. Now, that's C.S. Lewis. I've replaced Atomic Age, which is what he was writing about. This was On Living in an Atomic Age, 1948. Uh, so just replace the words Atomic Age with COVID-19, and you get the same message. And, and let me be clear. I am not saying COVID-19 is not serious. It's deadly. It nearly killed my father last summer. I mean, we only, I mean, I'm telling you, he was that close to death. And because we found a doctor that did hydroxychloroquine and nursed him back to health and and didn't do some of the, these, you know, things that they're doing in hospitals right now that I think are not helping, um, he's still with us a year later. And I'm and I'm blessed by that. And as I mentioned, my wife and I had a had a tough time with it. And it does kill a very small percentage of people that actually have those comorbidities and rare situations. And so does the flu. The flu typically kills 50 to 70,000 people a year in the U.S., sometimes 100,000. I guess what I'm trying to say is, as, as C.S. Lewis said, don't exaggerate the novelty of our situation. That's what the media has done. That's what government has done. They they even started with that. You remember when this all started? What did they call it? The what coronavirus? The novel coronavirus. As if this had never happened before. We've never dealt with a virus that kills one-tenth of 1% of the people that get it. Really? Wait a minute. I, I, I thought we had, you know, swine flu back in, you know, just a couple of decades ago. And I thought we had, um, you know, the uh, Spanish flu in 1918 that killed 2.5%, 25 times as many, 25 times more deadly than what we're dealing with right now. And we didn't shut down the country. We didn't do this nonsense that we're doing right now, make kids wear masks to schools all over the nation and um, you know, not allow healthy people to go to work and all of the things. We didn't do that. And believe me, Spanish flu was way worse than what we're dealing with right now. It was killing the kids. Coronavirus doesn't, I mean, it is very rare. And it's every time, every, I have yet to see a case for a child dying from COVID that there were not extenuating circumstances, co serious comorbidities and, and, and other things. Um, Spanish flu? No, not so, man. You got kids were getting that thing in in the morning and dead by midnight. It was bad. And despite that, we did not stop Western civilization. In fact, we were fighting World War I at the same time. So anyway, all of that to say, we've got to put this thing in perspective and not allow it to create this spirit of fear that causes us to shut down. What's the Bible tells us? We're not given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Well, sound mind means we're studying. Sound mind means we're thinking. Sound mind means, you know, we're not we're not letting the fear grip us and shut down the logic part of our brain. So if we have a sound mind, we can look at these things and go, hey, this thing's bad. This thing can kill people. It is killing people. But not any different than other viruses that we face. Not any different th than what we deal with with the flu every year. Not any different than car accidents. You know, we don't stop driving because somebody dies from a car wreck. We don't stop eating in restaurants because we get food poisoning, right? I mean, I, <laughs> I don't know. Where, I can't believe I've got you thinking about food poisoning. But I mean, I, I, I was thinking about that just the other day. I was thinking, how many times have I had food poisoning in my life and had a miserable night as a result of that? But I still went back to restaurants. I still, I, 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 even the same restaurant. <laughs> Maybe that's insanity, but 
I just it just doesn't make sense what we're doing right now. And the reason is because we're allowing medical slavery to take place. We're letting somebody else make the decisions. But if we will do our homework, if we will study, we can make rational decisions and say, you know what? For me, at my age, with my risks, the vaccine makes sense. I'm going to go get it. Or for me, at my age, with, with my risk, vaccine doesn't make any sense at all. And so everybody should be able to make that decision. And I'll tell you, part of part of how you know it's slavery and not freedom is that they are not letting you decide, they're deciding for you. And, and I don't know about you, but that's not the kind of life I want to live in. That's not the kind of country I want to raise my children in. That has got to change. It's a, it's a control mechanism that the neo-Marxists, they love this opportunity to use a medical scare to get people to submit. Uh, they've tried that for decades with, you know, other, other issues. I mean, climate crisis and, you know, global warming. I mean, when I, I mean, from the time I was in high school, I can remember how they would just try to scare everybody. It's all going to be over. The world's going to fall apart in six months or five years or 10 years or 20 years. And then the date would come that they thought, you know, everything would be over. And of course it, it wasn't. Um, but they've always used that to put people in a state of fear so that they could control them. Now, climate crisis, though, they've only been able to get so far in terms of the control. The control has essentially not extended past the pocketbook. Like, I mean, they've managed to waste billions and billions of dollars. And um, and then in some ways, they've been able to control your land or, you know, put regulations on uh, the, the oil and gas industry and, and some things like that. And so it's not good. It's bad. It's it's part of why Joe Biden, uh, the president, you know, shut down the Keystone Pipeline with no science to say that that was more dangerous than now putting it on trains and trucks and and that sort of thing. Uh, but it gave him a feather in his cap to act like he was saving um, the environment when it did absolutely nothing uh, to that effect. So so climate crisis was the same, um, you know, goal in terms of controlling people, but it's never been quite as effective. This thing, man, this COVID-19 thing, it gave these leftists and these control freaks in government a golden opportunity to micromanage every living human being. I mean, that is a dream of these people. And I'm not just talking about when I, when I say these government control freaks, that's not just people in China or Russia or whatever. I've worked with them when I was a state legislator in Texas. And I, I mean, some of the legislators were like that. But a lot of the bureaucrats were like that. The people that, that, are, that were working within all these agencies, they just have this desire to control you. They, they really think you're stupid and they want to tell you what to do and they want to make your decisions for you. And it's an arrogance and, 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 a, and an evil thing, I believe. Uh, but it's real and, it's, and it permeates. It is, it is infested in, into all of our state governments, definitely our federal government. And so when this thing came along, it was like, oh, wow, what an opportunity to put people in slavery instead of letting them live in freedom. And, and, and the reason they were successful, I don't think they would have pulled this off. What's happened over the last 18 months would not have happened even 10 years ago, uh, certainly not 20 or 40 years ago. But what has happened, the, the, the real pandemic, the most dangerous threat that we all face is, is because of what was happening underneath. The real threat to your health, your safety, your loved ones, whether they're in nursing homes or they're in the womb, it's not the virus. The, the worst pandemic is not these petty tyrants, these drunk on power politicians across the nation. No, the, the real problem underneath, the reason this was able to happen and so many people are now living in medical slavery 
instead of freedom is because underneath it's been festering underneath the surface for decades. It's, it's a, it's a, um, well, the best analogy is a virus, just like a virus needs a weakened immune system. So if you're unhealthy, the virus virus is more likely to um, affect you, right? Just like a virus needs a weakened immune system on which to pray in the same way, bad government, petty tyrants, bad ideas and destructive movements, they need a weakened society. They need a, a, a community void of values and principles and truth. That is the Petri dish for bad government. That's the environment where their false promises of government saying, oh, we'll save you. Their lies that you are not capable of making your own decisions. That's the Petri dish where that bad government and that tyranny grows. And that's the environment in America. We let our foundation crumble. We saw the cracks in the foundation decades ago. We saw the Bible being taken out of the culture and out of society. Uh, we, we, we saw the uh, the reliance on government and 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 experts instead of um, God's word and on our, on our own study and those things that happen. And so, just like tough times reveal the character of individuals, it's just like when you faced a difficult time in your life, you know it, that that revealed it didn't just build character; it revealed your character. Same thing for nations. Tough times for a nation always reveal whether it has a strong character, a principled foundation. And America used to have the strongest foundation. I mean, it used to be the best foundation a nation had ever seen. Free market principles, constitutional limitations, all of those things. But now you see the overreach of government and you see the people begging government to take away their liberty, just like the children of Israel. And it's because slavery becomes more appealing than freedom when you stack up all of the work, all of the uh, you know cost and benefits, and that's what we've seen. And we went from being the land of the free and the home of the brave to being the land of the easily imprisoned and home of the timid and afraid. But here's the good news. Our biblical and civic ignorance of our history and our constitution, our loss of love for liberty and faith in the free market, that's what's caused this. And that means the opposite can solve this. Just as you can fight off and defeat viruses with the right immune boosters and precautions and, and making the right decisions. In the same way, civic ignorance, biblical ignorance that got us in this mess can be cured with biblical literacy, with civic literacy. We learn our history. We learn what God's word says about how to treat each other as neighbors and 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 and, and you know in, uh, how to form our, our communities and our state and, and our nation. We study the Bible for those things. We learn that truth. We study our constitution. We understand what it means to be a biblical citizen in this nation, in America, and then we go apply it. And then when we apply it, we become salt and light. We actually become a preservative in the culture. We become what brings out the best flavor in the culture, civic and biblical literacy. That's what can get us out of this. Studying those things and then apply, having the courage to stand for those things. Taking the, the mindset that God was given to Joshua. Going back to Joshua and Caleb as we started at the, at the top of the hour. When he said, have not I commanded you, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid. Neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with you, whithersoever thou goest. Be not afraid. Neither be thou dismayed. You see, when we go back to God's word, it is full of hope. It is full of truth and it is full of the answers for our culture. When we apply God's word, our entire nation benefits. When we ignore it, when we throw the instruction manual out, whew, look at the mess we're dealing with right now. It's a direct result of removing God from the equation 50 years ago in this country. Noah Webster said 200 years ago, he said, all the miseries and evils which men suffer from vice, crime, ambition, injustice, oppression, slavery, and war 
It proceeds from their despising or neglecting the precepts contained in the Bible. See, if we go back to the Bible and we bring those truths back into the culture, then we can prevent those evils. We can. That doesn't mean they're gone forever. It doesn't mean there's none of it. But boy, does it reduce it. And the entire culture benefits. God's word has all the answers. Let's be biblical citizens. I'll give you another founding father, James McHenry. He was a founder of the Maryland Bible Society, uh, helped to do the Constitution. He said this. He said, Bibles are strong protections where they abound. Men cannot pursue wicked courses and at the same time enjoy quiet conscience. Public utility pleads most forcibly for the general distribution of the Holy Scriptures. Without the Bible, in, in vain do we increase penal laws and draw entrenchments around our institutions. In other words, what's he saying? You can pass all the laws of the world you want, but if you don't have God's word in your heart and then permeating your neighborhood and your culture, all those laws will mean nothing. You won't stop the crime. You won't stop the bad decisions. You won't stop the out-of-control slavery of mankind. If you want freedom in the culture, Bibles are strong protections. That's what the founders understood. That's why they were steeped in it. That's why they read it every year. If I can encourage you to do one thing, it'd be to be in God's word every day and then apply it. Last thing I'll leave you with, biblicalcitizens.com. Biblicalcitizens.com. We've got a course called Biblical Citizenship in Modern America. We've got over 8,500 coaches across the country now. These classes are being taught in living rooms and churches and everywhere you can imagine. I hope you'll check that out, biblicalcitizens.com. Become a, a biblical citizen co coach, host it in your living room or at your church, and help us restore the American Republic. We can be a constitutional republic again. We can live in freedom again, but it's going to take a restoration of those biblical principles. Thanks so much for letting me fill in. I'm Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach. You have been listening to AFA at the Core. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.